0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of picking and putting. Dr. Z here with Liberty Bill, Chicago South Studios. In the background there, you got Nine Mile Beach in Jamaica. We'll get to why we got that on my on my video. And uh, Bill, you got any shout outs you want to do today? I do.
1: You know, everyone's been talking about the Chiefs offensive line coming off of their Super Bowl loss. Yeah. And I think folks have forgotten about Lauren Duvernay Tardif. He was the first player to opt out of the season due to concerns over the pandemic. And what did he do? Well, he's a doctor. He returned to the medical field in Canada and has been on the front lines fighting the pandemic this entire time. This is a guy that started 57 games since 2015 for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think he's been a little bit forgotten about in terms of the offensive line issues. And just here to shout him out for taking a year away from football, potentially costing an opportunity to win a championship to help us
0: out medically. So shout out to Lauren. Oh yeah, man. He's awesome. And Andy Reed was totally supportive of him. Awesome. Andy said yep. you, you go for it young man. That's it. Yep. I'm all for you and your spots here when you come back. Yep. Good for him. Yeah. My shout out is to Dolly Parton for one. Who, who, You know, she's classy. She came out, and the the Tennessee legislature was going to put a statue of her on the Capitol grounds, and she said, "You know what? This isn't the time or the place for me to have a statue out front of the Capitol." She says, "Maybe someday, and maybe when I'm gone, if you want to do that, that's fine, but not now." You know, she she got a touch of class. The other she one, does. huh? Isn't she?
1: Yeah. We need to get to Dolly World. It's been way too long. I got to take the little guy I, there.
0: No, I haven't been there. Well, uh, uh, yeah, it's in the Smokies. It's yeah. right on the North Carolina border of Tennessee. It's, it's a cool place. I did go there once a long time ago. The other <laughs> shout out the other shout out I got is Chris Zollinger, my son, who helped do all this stuff edited. Oh, by the way, we moved our uh, YouTube page. It's over to Called Pickin' and putting with Doctor Z and and Liberty Bill. So if you're looking for us on YouTube, that's our new site and and it's up there, so you'll be able to find us on YouTube. Well, today I have I wanted to do this, and now I'm going to screw it up. Wait a second here. I that's Bob Marley and the whalers and so today I thought we'd talk about Bob Marley for our music story. And like I said, that's Nine Mile Beach where he was born in uh, 1945, and it's a cool story because in this in this era of, of legalizing cannabis and all these kind of things, Bob Marley is still a cult hero, even though he wasn't ever looking for that. Um, but he's a cool story. He was he he was born in, in Jamaica. His dad was a uh, white naval officer, about 60 years old, and his mother was a 19-year-old native, and uh, he really never knew or liked his father. His father died in 55 when he was 10 of an MI, so he was mm-hmm. always with his mother, and he he was musical from the get-go, and um, early in the 60s, he started a, a group, and they were called. Uh, uh, Bob Marley and the Wailers, which is a great name. In fact, he had one wife, Rita, from sixty-six to eighty-one, and eighty-one is the year he died. And I, I can't help but go back to that time frame in terms of remember that's forty years ago. It's even before your time, Billy. And in that time period, around nineteen eighty, we lost Elvis, John Lennon, and Bob Marley. Hmm. And Bob Marley was the first great third world superstar music you know he was the first guy to come along that came from somewhere other than the big developed countries and became a superhero um but his original group was called the whaling whalers and his big break came in 72 which would have made him about let's see 45 what was that 27 and uh so he didn't have a short a long career 72 and 81 he's gone but uh He signed a big record deal and they went along and uh, the big hit music that we all remember is Who Shot the Sheriff? Yep. And and Eric Clapton made it a big hit in 74 on his own, but they had it on their album. So he had written that song. And of course, you know, We Be Jamming and all these other songs you hear about. Stir It Up. Yeah, Stir It Up. And he had a he had a famous, his big album, which he made later in the late 70s, was called Exodus. And that became kind of a landmark album for music. But the other thing I wanted to say about him that I thought was interesting was, from a medical perspective, people always wonder, well, what, what did he die from? And even though he was a, a dark-skinned gentleman, melanoma is still... A a dangerous disease. It's a skin cancer. And you get it on your palms, between your toes, and and whatever. And for some reason, he had this little growth between his toes in in 77, and they diagnosed melanoma. Well, in today's world, you just would have taken the toe off, and he probably would have been cured and still be here today. Wow. But he refused to have the amputation and surgery. And so um, he went off and had, you know, alternative therapies in germany and stuff but then he only lived another four years which is kind of sad um, to me i you know just knowing he left jamaica in 76 because uh they were doing a show and jamaica had a lot of unrest back then with poverty and that he got shot and his wife and they both survived it but they they did their concert I, i don't know I don't know the specifics of that, but then they left Jamaica and went to London. And, uh, and then when he knew he was dying, he was trying to get back to Jamaica and he ended up passing away in Miami. So that's kind of the history of his, of his life in a nutshell, but, uh, fascinating guy. I mean, his opening, when he, when he, when he got his big record deal, His opening, he was the opening act. Think about this. He was the opening act for Springsteen and Sly and the Family Stone. Wow. Yeah.
1: Where do I get a recording of that concert?
0: Yeah. Well, think about it. Every time you go to the Caribbean, if you go down to the Caribbean, anybody travels there, there's virtually nowhere you can go without hearing going to the pool bar or the beach bar. And who's playing in the background? Bob Marley. I mean, you know, you can say what you want. but. He's a pretty cool guy. So, you know, that, that's your little music music story of the day, but I, I find him fascinating. I mean, to grow up in a place like that behind you, it's it's an exquisite place. A little different from 50, 40 years ago, I'm sure, but well, it's it super cool.
1: Brings up a recent thing I read about related to Bob Marley. So the 1990s, you know, the hip-hop music doesn't really hold up, frankly. A lot right. of it's like money cash hose, or let's go shoot a bunch of people and deal a bunch of drugs, you know, that stuff right. doesn't really hold up. But there was a band called the Fugees that you may have, heard. Lauren Hill, you might recognize, Wyclef Jean, there were a couple of members of that group. In 1996, they released an album called The Score. And their inspiration was Bob Marley. Wyclef immigrated from Haiti, so they were from the small islands and they had the same struggle. And they used the same concepts that Bob did. I mean, Bob had those chill melodies, but within those lyrics, there's some pretty strong revolution-like commentary on the state of affairs that he was dealing with in Jamaica and the world abroad. And the Fugees brought that back to life, in 1996 and I actually just went back and listened to that album last week and it's funny listening to it from a different lens now of the Bob Marley influence it's like wow they were kind of the modern day Bob Marley carrying forward the legacy so it's so cool to see a transformative figure like that he was gone way too soon but clearly his impact is still held today in music and like you say, the island vibes, man. When you go down there, it's just a state of being that I think uh, me personally, I need to do more of. Just relax and enjoy <laughs> the moment.
0: Yeah, well, he. What's interesting is his. Yeah, his driving were blues. You know, Elvis was one of his favorites. Uh, those kind of guys that came out of the '60s and and BB uh, 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 King. Those kind of guys were his thing the most interesting thing about all the political stuff with him personally was he, he went through a very religious phase. I can't even, I forget Ross, Ross, uh, Rastafarian. Yeah. Rastafarian was a religious movement in the seventies. It's got some religious background that way. Anyways, point being is he was for all of that, that you take and put with him, his true personality if you and i were sitting down at the table with him was he was he was pretty much pacifist he he wasn't in your face with all this he just was making statements but he he wasn't you know down there ready to go you know in front of the courthouse or whatever so he was an interesting uh, he just he had a lot of influence um and those were tough times and and you know he was raised in a tough time. I mean, he, he had a huge family. I mean, he had one wife from, from, uh, I told you from uh, 66 to 81, Rita, but he had 11 children. (laughs) So he, 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 um, and a lot of them are still alive and successful and, 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 uh, in some, a couple of his sons in the music business, but yeah,
1: Ziggy Marley, I saw him at some music festival he was performing at.
0: Yeah, I mean that. Well, I mean, think about it. You take the name and you go to the next level with it, so it was pretty cool. So, well, we were talking about you and I were talking about the uh, developmental sports leagues, and I thought that was a, I thought that was a uh, kind of interesting topic in that you know every major sports league now. We're in this transition, and and it's got to go ahead and happen because it's basically, barring the pandemic, it's basically ruined college basketball. And I'm all for at this point to have a G league and a, a F league and an H league and an I. League. And an XFL. Yeah, I mean, take it just like you got baseball: A, double A, triple A. But you know, go ahead with it and and pay them. Um and move on. I mean, baseball's done, had that in effect. Now baseball, of course you were showing me is downsizing this year tremendously, which is, which is good and bad. It's good in that uh, that the salaries for these guys have go up because yep. they've been, they've been, they've been hired. Uh, you talk about minimum wage for an athlete. They, they haven't been making squats.
1: Oh, it was insane. I mean, just like a te- an entire team splitting a loaf of bread and jar of peanut butter, and that's dinner. I mean, insane.
0: Well, hey, especially when you turn around and see the Padres sign a $340 million 14-year contract that is guaranteed money, folks. That's not like the NFL contracts where they give you a signing bonus, you know, and then cut you in, have a nice day these this is, you know so there's a lot of money in baseball and uh so they're so they're making that move and I think that's I think that's a good thing what I was going to say is I think it's sad if you lose like tell tell the folks out there what is your favorite minor league venue that you've ever been to
1: uh that would be right here in Charlotte BB&T ballpark well nice. BBNT
0: yeah but okay give me a single leg venue? Uh,
1: Myrtle Beach?
0: Yes. So if you go and eliminate a Myrtle Beach, and and they're not eliminated, I read up, but those small venues in places like, uh, you know, Montana or or Vermont, they're the community. Um, Binghamton, that was the one where Tebow was playing, you know? Tebow retired. Yeah, Tebow (laughs) retired. Well, that's okay. I mean, I let's not go into that. They should have brought him up for one bat in the major leagues just to get it over with. They'd have filled the stadium for, you know, a series and then whatever. Um, I always kind of wish they'd done that, but you know, I, I, I get it. He was pulling his Michael Jordan and he's a great athlete. And that was, I didn't have a problem with that, but I, what I was interested in was the one you also showed about the golf tour.
1: Yeah, the Advocates Pro Golf Association.
0: Yeah, and and I looked it up, and there are eight tournaments. Um, and, and I think some of these guys bounce back and forth between, like, the McKenzie Tour, the Canadian Tour. You know, it's like golf is, this, golf is this minor league of you're on your own. You're, you are the company, you know, and if you don't make the cut on, you know, Friday, then you don't make any money, but you still have to pay for your room, your food, your travel. So it's it's a um, it's a fun life maybe when you're in twenties and then you get a wife and a kid and it becomes a tough road to hoe. But I was I was excited to see him doing that. I'd I'd love to hear some, the thoughts of some of the young black golf, like HV three or or the couple of young men we talked about last weekend.
1: Yeah, Willie Mack shot a one under yesterday. Did he um, the, the first
0: round? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I was looking, I'm thinking the cut's going to be around, I don't know where the cut, probably around par or a little over because the score, it ended up the leader shot a 64, but and I don't guess think there who is that was Sam Burns. A Sammy, yeah. Corn Ferry graduate. Yeah, well, he was the guy I picked last week, remember? Yes. Yeah, I had him and Paul Casey, so I, you know, I made 100000 last week. I should have been leading the uh, the golf shop show, but you know, I don't know. Well, technically you're supposed to pick a
1: true underdog along with two of the favorites.
0: Well, Sam Burns was a true underdog.
1: I don't, I don't think he was. Oh, come on. You'd be surprised. You got to get pretty far down there. You got to get down into Tringale territory or Siwoo Kim or Maverick McNeely, those types of guys.
0: Hey, Maverick McNeely was a good story. (laughs) He almost got in the playoff. That's true. I mean, you know, he came in. He he made seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. That that kind of he's he's a good player though. He's gonna be. He's a Stanford guy. He's he's gonna be there. Uh, he's kind of like. I'll tell you who the smoking gun is for this weekend with the uh, Riviera is uh, uh, Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been swinging. He's due. Yeah, he's due, and he if he can just make a few putts, he's 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 gonna be due. What do you think about all these other leagues? I mean, tell me what you're. So, piggybacking off of your Fernando
1: Tatis contract extension and, <laughs> yeah. and, and small point there, there's actually a firm out of Latin America that gives these guys, these prospects, upfront money. So, when Tatis was 19 years old, he was a no name prospect, despite the fact his dad played in the Bigs for over a decade. So they gave him, we don't know what the amount of money is, but this firm gave him X amount of dollars to receive X percentage of his ultimate earnings at the major league level. So they could be making up to 10% of that record breaking contract. But the interesting thing is, how do we get more people like Fernando Tatís more minorities in the game and how do we solve this disparity where they make absolutely nothing in peanuts until they hit it and then they make 500 gazillion dollars so that's where I'm pleased to see golf investing in that APGA to try to get minorities a scholarship to reduce that $100,000 of cost that you mentioned, the travel, the equipment, just getting to every single tournament. If you can just give these guys a couple of years where that burden is relieved, they'll have a better chance of making it. And we talked last week a little bit about youth sports participation and that decline. And I think it's really important for these leagues to truly invest in formal developmental leagues. And we're seeing that. With the NBA, with the G League, where now players don't have to go to college, they can go play on that G League Ignite, and they'll play against other NBA players and kind of ease into it. And then on Major League Baseball, I know, I get it, there's nostalgia and people are upset and there's no longer Minor League Baseball in Idaho, I get it. But if you look at the big picture, what they've really done is streamlined the process And they've, as you mentioned, increased player compensation significantly, but, and there aren't going to be those underdog stories, right? Like David Bodie plays for the Cubs in this new world. He'll never make it to the major leagues. And that's, kind of sucks right the guy who just toils away in the minor leagues for seven or eight years and he has the financial wherewithal to keep doing it and he finally breaks through i don't think that's going to happen anymore but the reality is that was less than one percent of those guys that were toiling away so the game will be fine the best example look at minnesota their triple a team was way out in rochester new york now it's in saint paul So it just makes sense what they did. And then the other people are upset they changed the names of the leagues. That's just nostalgia. They're going to sponsor the leagues. And again, if more of that money is trickling down to the players, it's all good. So I'm encouraged by a lot of this. But really shout out to golf for specifically that APGA League and targeting minorities and helping bring them along because it's good for the game. It's good for everybody.
0: Well, that golf started over a decade ago with first tee and kind of like uh, boys and girls clubs and making the effort to get those kids the equipment and donated equipment and get them out there and get exposed to golf. I think the hard part I have for going back to baseball was, I mean, when you go to Tatis, I mean, that's, that's basically, okay. They they're betting on, okay. He's Ken Griffey Jr. The next generation, you know, and, and I go, well, uh, baseball to me, and I, I've had this conversation with you before. I think baseball lost an entire generation of children when they moved everything to after 830, all games. You know, and it's four, so expensive to go to a game. And, and, and playoff <laughs> games and stuff. And you so can't bring it, a kid to a game. Well, and you talk about they lost they the great athletes, the black generation of great athletes, the NBA hooked all those guys in the nineties. Now the the problem I have is take fourteen times thirty-two, and that's the number of guys who get are in the NBA. And it's a pipe dream for all these young kids that are playing basketball to think they're gonna get there. Yep. And I and that's the only downside that I worry about this. I worry that they Okay, they go there and they can't get their education. But something has to change there. You have to allow those kids to go ahead and pursue their dream, just like you and I could go out at 16 and get a job doing whatever. It's it's not our right to deny them that. Yep. Then on the on the other side of that, with uh uh baseball and and inner city and that baseball, just an example here in our own community, are why. They don't have baseball anymore. They don't have slow pitch. They don't have little league. They have, there's one little league in town. They do have T-ball you know, at that age of four to five, and then it kind of, you got to go find it if you're really interested well, in baseball.
1: I could tell you last night here, two nights ago in February, that those South Charlotte baseball fields behind my house were packed. All the cages were full. There were teams on every field. I couldn't believe it. I was joking. Pitchers and catchers may be reporting in Arizona. We got the whole damn team reporting here in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're <laughs> well, ready to go.
0: Well, that's good to see because that's a grassroots you're just telling me some grass, grassroot definition of the sport. I think part of it, part of the growth for that, remember, is, is the moms. <laughs> they're, they're not looking to take their eight-year-old and let them play football or lacrosse for that matter. Even though lacrosse grades, anything that's contact. So, soccer. Yeah, so they're, they're <laughs> Well. See, yeah, there's another whole thing when you think about uh everybody rips on the
1: NFL, but whenever soccer acknowledges its concussion problem, I'm 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 here for it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, if you think about heading the ball in a in a 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid, I don't know why you'd think it wouldn't have, you know, prolonged bruising. It's just bruising of the brain is what that amounts to. And and you think about you've got a you've got a, a you know, a an orange inside of a fixed thing that bounces around. I mean, you know, whatever.
1: I'd be curious though, Charlotte specifically, and I don't know how we would survey this or figure out whether it's a real thing, but my issue, like if we lived in Chicago, it would be incredibly burdensome to bring my son to multiple Cubs games a year. It financially Mm -hmm. parking, getting down there, just the whole thing, bunch of drunk people everywhere, just not a great place to bring a kid. Whereas, here in Charlotte, a nights game, I can go, I can sit right behind the net. It's cheap. I can park easily. I can eat all the food I want. I can get home. Home are the dragons there, all that. I wonder for these young kids that live here in Charlotte that are getting to go to nights games, if they're catching the bug of baseball that way. Oh, or for some sure. kids in other cities like Boston, New York, Chicago, yeah, they got the big major league team. But I don't know. For me, it's going to the games as a kid, is where I fell in love with the Sport. It was playing the sport and going to the games.
0: Well, I will tell you, I've said for 30 years that the best ticket in major league sports is minor league baseball. When it's because, done right, I agree. Because you can go, you can go, parking's easy, the tickets are fair price, you get a hot dog, you can get a beer, throw peanuts, you know, get cotton candy, all the stuff you want. You can take your kid, and in the fourth inning, you can go home when it's time for him to sleep because you'll whether you lose six to five is not your driving force. Yep. You know? And you're just going out there for fun. You're going out there for the entertainment. Now you get to know the players and the saddest part that, that your mother-in-law and I found out was when we go to the games and then we really like this guy and he's really doing well. And the next thing, you know, he's called up, <laughs> but that's, that's the business. That's good for them, you know, but you, all of a sudden you go, Hey, where, where did Delmonico go? Oh, he's <laughs> playing left field for the white side. Oh, okay, sorry.
1: But you also get the random injury rehabilitations. I was sitting at a game and I was like, I recognize that giant man. Oh, yeah. oh, that's Atlanta Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman, and I Google, he's on an injury assignment, and there you are, ten feet away from a major leaguer. It's such a cool experience. Oh yeah, not we to had, mention the fireworks.
0: We had third baseline seats, and we, yeah, the problem is every time I go to a fireworks show, they go extra innings, <laughs> and then and then I'm falling asleep. That's what I was all for. Put the guy on third base and start the extra. <laughs> I don't even have to have second base. I'm all they are bringing that. that rule back, by the way. I like that rule. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's some of those rules that are hard to enforce, like pitch, camp, pitch clocks and stuff. Because when you go to the game and you watch them, they go down to zero. And, you know, when are they ever going to call the guy on it, you know, and call it. Same thing in
1: golf. They might start doing shot
0: clocks in golf. Oh, If you, (laughs) that's another thing altogether, because, so I watched yesterday from the production from Los Angeles and the 10th hole, they have a a drivable par. It's probably one of the great par fours in all of golf outside of the Connecticut one and 14th at Quail Hollow is drivable, but they play the 10th hole and it's everything you want at at Riviera. (laughs) Well, so, DeChambeau and I forget if he's playing with Rory. No, he wasn't playing with Rory or maybe he was, but whoever he was playing with, they're up on the green and it's a drivable par four. So usually the group on the green steps to the back and allows the other group to hit their tee balls. And then they go ahead and finish out. Once they're on the green. Well, DeChambeau's on the green and he and uh, Kepka just don't like each other. And so DeChambeau's up there, the group in front of them is already on the green on the next hole, which is a par five, and they're still diddling around the green, and he's putting the ball on, checking his thing, doing it, and Kepka's on the tee, put his ball in the ground, finally he pulls his ball out of the ground, walks back to the back of the tee, crosses his arms like, come on, you know, and he he, he was beside himself, he would have hit him with his driver if he could, and so finally they clear the green, Kepka sticks his ball in go goes, Poof. I mean, he hit his ball within – he looked like you or me playing. He was ready to ball, go. He hit his ball in 10 seconds, hit it up in front of the green, chipped up, made birdie. So it shows you, you know, you you can – you. this stuff, when they go to range finders at the majors, it is not going to speed up play. Wow. The only time it will speed up play, and they showed an example yesterday, is if you drive it so far out of the – like a, a – you know <laughs> – yeah. Like Justin's hit a few, Thomas hit a few drives off. Jordan's hit them sideways a few times. Yeah. If you're out there in the next county on another fairway, yeah. then the yards thing probably does help you. But but if you're hitting it down the middle and you got sprinkler heads and you got your you know your your caddy there, I don't know that it's going to help. But that's just me.
1: Let's get a shot clock going.
0: Yeah, a shot clock. Well. Got anything else you want to say, man?
1: Yeah, Iowa beat Wisconsin, so I got Yeah, I saw that.
0: I, I, you know, Garza is going to be player of the year, and uh, I heard Jay Bealus talk about that. He's he's a great player. It's just, it's very hard. I mean, North Carolina, for example, has played one game. They, they, Roy Williams found the guys on Twitter and asked them if they wanted to play Northeastern, and they came down and played a game. I mean... They've played two games in the last four weeks, and then I don't know. I you know I if Gonzaga is going to win it, this is their year. You know, I, I that's how I see it.
1: Yeah, that'd be. I think hopefully Gonzaga, Baylor. I think Illinois is a Final Four team as well. Those three teams, I think, will be in. the – Yeah,
0: playoffs. well, they'll be number one seeds. I don't know how that the difference is without crowds. I, and you play in a bubble. I'm. It's it's just different. You know, it's gonna be
1: interesting. I just hope they get there. yeah, and all the teams are able to play because it will be a lot of fun if they get there.
0: Well, I got a couple of quotes for you. You're gonna like these are Bob Marley quotes. Oh good. okay. So the second one's real easy because you're gonna you're gonna remember this. Bob Marley said, one good thing about music is when it hits you, you feel no pain. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> and the other one, one he said, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing going to be all right. And then bring me over one of those drinks with an umbrella in it.
1: <laughs> we could all use one of those in mid-February.
0: Yeah. Either that or, or La Vida Masfina Fina with, uh, uh, you know, he's sitting on the beach. The rapper. famous, Snoop. Guy. Huh? Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop. So I'm down there, I'm going to be with Snoop right up there at that bar listening to Bob Marley. Well, folks, we enjoyed having you this week for Picking and Putting. Remember, we're on all the platforms. Find our new YouTube channel. It's Picking and Putting with Dr. Z and Liberty Bill. We just add a little bit to make it our old channel still there, but you can find us there, subscribe, ring the bell. We've joined Patreon, so happy to donate to us. Give us a little money on there, so we can support the show and get some better guests. Next week, after all these ice storms, we're hoping to have Mike and Stick from Memphis talk a little uh, talk a little Beale Street music. So, we all all you folks who are out there suffering. Just think of that place behind me and go there in your mind, if nothing else. We're thinking of you. Have a good one, Belly. We'll see you next time. Go say hi to the little one.
1: Go Hawks. Take care, everybody. Go Hawks.